Merry Christmas, guys. Hey guys, this is a wonderful time that could sometimes be sidetracked by a lot of busyness and commercialism and all these things that get us going in, in a bunch of different directions. And what we want to do in the midst of this series is to help us, me included, because I'm as guilty of that as anybody, me included, to, to, to help us continue that focus on what Christmas is really all, to, all about. It's called Celebrate Christmas because this truly is a, a time of celebration. I love the verse in, in Psalm 118, verse 24, where it says, Today, this day is the Lord's victory. Let us be happy and let us celebrate. You know, and if that's true about anything, it's true about Christmas. The, the, the time that we celebrate the very coming of Jesus to this earth. It's, we celebrate births anyway, right? We, we talked about one earlier this morning, celebrating a birth. Anytime there is a birth, we celebrate. How much more should we celebrate the very birth of the Son of God with all that that entails and all the significance with that? This is truly the day of the Lord's victory. And we should be happy. And we should celebrate because of what has taken place. <laughs> And you know, this was even, even in the Christmas story, we see this a lot about the joy and the celebration. Matter of fact, at one point, they were kind of scared because it, this, is, this is some weird stuff. Angels showing up in front of you and everything. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said, Do not be afraid. Most repeated command in the Bible right there. Do not be afraid. For I bring good, no, good news that causes great joy for all the people. I mean, that, that's a pretty big claim, isn't it? It's good news. It's the good news of Jesus coming to this earth. Of God in the flesh living among us. The very Son of God who would eventually die for our sins on that cross is coming to earth. Jesus is splitting history wide open in this appearance as a little bitty baby in a manger. This is the good news. And what's the result of the good news? It causes great joy. Great joy for all the people. I mean, if there's ever anything worth celebrating, it's the coming of Jesus to this earth. And just the way that all of that happened, we, we have the, the angels appear in the Christmas story. We see the bringing of the gifts. We see the celebration and the joy and, and everything that takes place there. This is truly a time to celebrate. Now I'm going to ask you a question, and this is not a rhetorical question. I'm actually looking for answers from the crowd, okay? And this is my question. What are you celebrating this Christmas? The birth of Christ. I love it. The beginning of the fulfillment of God's plan. Excellent. Good stuff. Family, definitely, definitely. And even in the Christmas story, it's a family affair, right? You got mom, you got dad, you got the baby. The love of Christ and sharing that with others, especially with those we love. Yes. Yeah, the love of Christ and being able to share that with others. Do we have any more? Yeah, yeah, the fulfillment of the prophecy of the angel that this is what 
what took place. This is the good news that brought great joy. Awesome, awesome. The, the additional family we have through Glen Cove Christian Church. So that's, that's true for all of us, right? We are family. That's biblical, it's practical, and it's amazing. Okay, yes. Having good Christian friends, absolutely. You see, there's all kinds of things that we can be celebrating this Christmas. And all of these are good things. You know, these are great to have these things to be able to celebrate during this time. And to focus on that, and, and again, and I know we say this every Christmas, but the reason we say it every Christmas is because every Christmas, it is an issue. It is so easy to get the celebration crowded out. Sometimes through trying to get too many celebrations, right? I mean, we try to go to this, we try to go to that, we got to get this in, we got to get that in, we got to get a present for this person, we got to get a present for that person, we got to run to Walmart, we got to run to Best Buy, we got to do all this stuff. Well, I got to do all this stuff in order to celebrate Christmas. But then at the end of it, you don't feel like celebrating anything. You're just waiting for Christmas to be over so all this can come, you know, get back to normal. And we miss it. We miss what Christmas is all about. It's about celebrating the very birth of Jesus. And we're going to be talking over this three-part series about specific things that we need to celebrate Christmas about. And the one that we want to talk about this morning is God's love. God loves you. We should celebrate Christmas because God loves you. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19, Paul is writing here. And he says, he said, I pray, I pray for you. At, oh, I missed my wording. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge. Surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, isn't it just amazing that Paul says he wants us to know this love, to know this love that is beyond knowledge. Okay? It's, it surpasses our understanding. But yet, this is what Paul wants us to know. So much so that he's praying for it. It's not just, hey, let me inform you, okay? He's praying that we have the power to grasp this. Why? Because it is so far beyond our understanding. It's not just like having typical knowledge of something. When you stop and think about how much God loves us, we cannot wrap our heads around that. The fact that He would love us so much He sent His one and only Son to die for us, I can't grasp that. I can't understand it. But we do want to come to an understanding that it's there. We, we will never fully understand God's love for us, at least not on this side of eternity. We will not fully understand it. But hopefully we could get a glimpse of it and get a, a better understanding of it as we continue to look at this stuff and understand how, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. 
Now, we could go on for a year pointing out the reasons that we, under, we should understand why God loves us. There's so many things He's done for us. There's so many blessings that He has for us that it, it, we could go all year talking about these things. Don't worry, we're not going to be talking about all of those this morning. But I do want to point out about three of them. Okay? And the first one, the first reason that we can understand that God loves us is how He created us. Are you guys familiar with that story back in Genesis that talks about the creation of the world and how God created certain things on a certain day? you familiar with that story? Can anybody tell me what God created on the third day? Assuming you didn't watch the video from the first service. Alright, we're going to have fun. Is it okay if we have fun here on Christmas, the beginning of the Christmas season here? Alright, I want everybody to stand up. I'm going to teach you something. I did not learn this in Sunday school as a kid. I learned this as a freshman in college. Okay? So this is, this is, this is college level learning right here. You can take this home with you. This is completely free. We're not charging extra for this. Alright? We're going to go through the days of creation. We're going to be using hand motions. Like I said, I learned this as a freshman in college. Alright, so first of all, I want you to put your hands up like you're shielding the light from your eyes. Okay? Because on the first day, God created light. Alright? Now, for the second day, I want you to move your hands out like this. Because on the second day, God created the sky. Alright? Now, from the beginning. On the first day, God created all right, we need a little more enthusiasm, okay? On the first day, God created light. Oh, yeah, that's good. On the second day, sky. All right, now for the third day, I want you to, I want you to bring, your, uh, bring your hands down here and wiggle your fingers because on the third day, God created vegetation. All the grass and the trees and the plants and those things that we eat, you know, He created all of that on the third day, okay? On the first day, God created on the second day? Sky. On the third day? Alright, for the fourth day, keep wiggling your fingers and bring them right back up to the top again. Because on the fourth day, God created the sun, moon, and stars. All those things we see sparkling and shining bright up in the sky. Okay? Alright, so we've got the fourth day down. On the first day, God created? Sky. On the second day? Sky. On the third day? Sky. On the fourth day? Alright, now on the fifth day, I want you to put your arms out like this and move them up and down and do your face like this. <laughs> Jeff said, I am not doing that. Because on the fifth day, God created fish and fowl or fish and birds, whichever one is easiest for you to remember. Alright? Alright, let's start from the top. On the first day, God created? On the second day? On the third day? On the fourth day? On the fifth day? Fish and fowl. Now, for the sixth day, I want you to bring your hands back down here and hold up four fingers on one hand and two fingers on the other. Because on this day, on the sixth day, God created four-legged animals and two-legged people. Right? Don't get those confused. <laughs> four-legged animals and two-legged people are animals that walk upon the land. Okay? All right, now let's review. On the first day, God created? Sky. On the second day? Sky. On the third day? 
On the fourth day? On the fifth day? On the sixth day? Four-legged animals and two-legged people. Now, on the seventh day, you just take your hands back up and put them behind your bed, head. Because he rested on the seventh day. All right, we're going to do it one more time and we'll be done, all right? All right, here we go. On the first day, God created? On the second day? On the third day? On the fourth day? On the fifth day? On the sixth day? And on the, on the seventh day, all right, you can rest too. Have a seat. All right, so now, the next time you're walking in Walmart, good job. The next time you're walking through Walmart and some stranger comes up to you and says, you know, I was just wondering, what did God create on the fifth day? You could tell. You go, fish and fowl. All right, I got it. And they may look at you strange, but at least they'll have the right answer, right? Now, the cool thing about that story is at the end of, of each day, after that first day when God created what? Light. He looked at everything He had created and He said, it is good. At the end of that second day, after He would created the... He looked at everything He created and He said, it is good. At the end of that third day, after He created... He looked at everything He had created and He said, it is good. At the end of that fourth day, after He created the sun, moon, and stars, He looked at everything He created and He said, it is good. At the end of that fifth day, after He created fish and fowl, He looked at everything He created and He said, it is good. At the end of that sixth day, when He created... He looked at everything He created and He said, it is... Nope. He said... Now, what made the sixth day so special? I mean, everything was good, but the sixth day, it was very good. What made the sixth day require the word very in there? There you go. He created us. I believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 answers that question and then God said let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness you see he didn't say that about anything else of creation all of creation is beautiful okay it's wonderful it's valuable but none of it is more valuable than you are you are God's greatest creation because you were created in his likeness and in His image. Now what in the world does that mean? In His likeness and in His image. Well, there's been books written about that, okay? And we could go into a whole bunch of theological um, different things about that. But I think one thing that we can look at it and, and, and agree on is this. Being created in God's image and likeness means that we were created to love and to be loved. To love and to be loved. I mean, why did God create us in the first place? I mean, we cause Him a lot of heartache, right? We cause Him a lot of headache. To worship Him, which is our expression of love. Yeah, it's our expression of love to Him. You know, God 
is a God who loves and is one to be loved. So if we are created in His likeness and in His image, we also are created to love and to be loved. And that's what makes it so significant. That's what makes us God's special creation. <laughs> Several years ago, Tammy and I used to do, we'd do like vacation Bible schools. We had a ministry where we did a lot of kids ministry and youth ministry and stuff. And we would make these uh, necklaces called creation necklaces. And it had these beads on them. And, and a bead represented each day. Like we had a white one for light. And, and um, we had a green one for the vegetation. And, and different things like that. But for the sixth day, we had a golden bead. Because that's the day that God created His most precious and most valuable creation. He created you. To love and to be loved. That is a reason to celebrate Christmas. <laughs> reason number two that I believe that we can, we can know that God loves us is not just how He created us, but what He created for us. What He created for us. I know oftentimes we get so caught up in... in in the hurry and, and all this stuff, not only do we miss Christmas, but we miss a lot of things. And sometimes we just need to take time to enjoy what God has created for us. I mean, you can look around you. Glen Cove is a beautiful place. <laughs> Especially in the fall of the year when we've had the leaves changing colors and everything here recently. I mean, don't miss that. Pay attention to that. Take a drive out east. Man, it's beautiful out there. I don't know, most of, you, most of you have lived here a lot longer than I have, and you know this better than I do. But man, the first time we went out on the eastern part of the island, and we went out to Montauk, and I mean, it was, it's just magnificent. We go out there uh, right on the, on the outer edge at the foot of the uh, lighthouse out there. And it, oh man, it's, it's magnificent. It's God's creation. Sometimes, uh, my family and I, a, a few times, we've gotten to go up into the Catskills. And, and you've, got, you've got hills and mountains and forests up there, and it reminds me a little bit of home back in Kentucky, you know, when I get up there. And it's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place up there. Listen, God has created a magnificent creation for our enjoyment, not our abuse. Unfortunately, we abuse it a lot, but He did create it for our enjoyment. And I would encourage you to enjoy it. In 1 Timothy uh, 6.17, it says, Command the, the rich in this... And I'm messing up all these. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Which is so uncertain, right? It's so uncertain. Instead, put your hope in God. Why? Because He's the one who richly provides for us everything for our enjoyment. See, I'm not, I'm not just rattling off pop psychology here. This is Scripture. God created all this 
for our enjoyment. Aren't these, aren't these flowers up here beautiful? beautiful? Yeah, we've got the flowers down there. We've got the flowers up here. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, uh, Maria and Tanisha that, that, that work on, on getting some of this other stuff, stuff out on the steps. If you noticed as you came in today, um, I don't know if you've noticed recently, our sign looks a thousand times better than it did three months ago. Okay, because they've, they've taken out all that and they've replaced it with, man, it's just, it's beautiful. And you know what? It's for our enjoyment. God created it for our enjoyment because He's so madly in love with you. Sometimes we get this picture of God and we're like, yeah, God loves me. And because He loves me, He wants me to obey Him. And all that is true. Okay, all that is true. But it's much more than that. You know, I love my kids. And because I love my kids, I do want them to obey me. But I also want to do cool things for them because I love them, right? I mean, last night we just had a surprise birthday party for Apollonia. Her birthday's not till the 20th, but in order for it to be a surprise, we had to do it a little earlier. And you know, we love doing it. We love doing things like that for our kids or for our spouses or, or, or our parents or you know, anybody that we love. We, we enjoy doing those special things for them because that's what love does. And it's no different with God. Yes, God wants us to obey Him because He loves us, but He also wants us to enjoy the things that He does for us. And creation is a whole plethora of things that He has created for our enjoyment. He is an amazing God. Third reason that we can understand that God loves us. Not only how He created us, and not only what He created for us, but who He sent to us. Who He sent to us. You know, we talk about this verse a lot, but it's so powerful. I think we, we have to talk about it a lot. And it's John 3.16. And we don't necessarily think of it as a Christmas verse, but it really is. Listen at this. For God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. That's, that's, that's Advent. That's Christmas. That's the coming of Jesus right there. That He sent His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We could come to understand that God loves us because He sent His one and only Son to earth to live among us, to teach us, to be the perfect example of what it means to follow God, and to even die as a sacrifice on the cross for our sins. But the good news is, He didn't stay in that grave. He rose from the dead. Now, that's a sermon for another season. Okay, it's coming up in the spring. But we don't ever want to forget that. Guess what? Without the resurrection of Jesus, the birth of Jesus does not have near the significance that we make of it without that resurrection. The resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection is what gives the birth significance. But it is an amazing thing that helps us to better understand that God loves us because He sent His one and only Son. Jesus became God among us. You know, in, in the Christmas season, we often use the title for Jesus or the name for Jesus, Emmanuel. 
Um, it's a name that's placed on him from the, from the Old Testament. But, um, but the word literally means God with us. That's what it means. And there's a, there's a theological word for that. It's called incarnation. Um, and it, it, what, it, what it means is that God has come to us in the flesh. It is God with us. That's what Christmas is all about. The fact that God came down to us in the form of a baby. He taught us. He lived among us. And, and sometimes people say, well, one of the reasons He did that is so that He could identify with us. I don't know that God necessarily needed to identify with us. I think He identifies with us perfectly already. Maybe one of the reasons that Jesus came to earth is so that we could better identify with Him and have a better understanding of who He is with God being here among us in the flesh. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. This, this amazing thing that shows how much God loves us. Remember that passage we looked at in the beginning in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. I pray... I pray. This is, this is a prayer request for Paul. Maybe we, we need to pray this sometimes. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. You see, he even opens it up about love. We are rooted and established in love. In our understanding of who he is, it gets us more rooted and more established in love. As we develop stronger relationships with each other, it better it gets us better rooted and established in love. When we lift up praises to Him in worship, it better roots us and establishes us in love. As we minister and serve each other and people outside these walls, it better roots us and establishes us in His love. When we share the Gospel with people, like you mentioned earlier, and we tell other people about Jesus and what He's done for us in our lives, it better roots us and establishes us in His love. I pray that you, being rooted and established in His love, may have power. You know, He's, pay he's praying for extra power here because we can't get it on our own. We don't have the mental ability to grasp the love of God. And so Paul is praying that you may have the power, and not just by yourself, but together with all of, of the Lord's holy people. What's he talking about there? It's the church. It's us. He's talking about all of us coming together and having that relationship together so that we can better understand this love of God together with all of the Lord's holy, holy people that we may grasp, that we may grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And that we may know this love that surpasses knowledge. It's beyond understanding. And Paul is praying, even though it's not understandable, I'm praying that you understand it. That you get it. That you let it penetrate your mind and your heart as to how much God loves His people. It is an amazing love. You know, as you leave here this morning, I want you, I want you to, to, to take this with you. If you don't get anything else out of this message, get this. I say this often. Joe says it often. I believe it's the heart of what I've been talking about this morning. And it's this. There is nothing you can do 
to make God love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. You know, because His love cannot be earned. It's not like God's up there going, hey, there's a good one. I'm going to love that one. He loves us regardless. Regardless. Yep, He did. You will do far greater things. Because He's working in us and through us. Listen, God loves you. Period. His love for you is perfect. Period. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how bad you are. God is crazy about you. And you can't do anything. You can't serve enough people or, or memorize enough verses or, or do enough things for God to go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love this one more because they're, they're really trying hard. God's love for you is already perfect. It can't be improved upon. And God's not up there going, man, they really messed up. I'm just going to just take my love from them. We don't do that, do we? When you really love somebody, when do they need your love the most? Yeah, when they're at their lowest, when they're messing up, when they're doing all the bad things. If you don't love them during the bad times, you didn't love them during the good times. Right? <laughs> and God's love for us is amazing. Jesus loves you so much, He'd rather die than live without you. Let's pray. God, we thank You that You do love us so much. We don't get it. God, I pray that we, we understand glimpses of it and, and hopefully understand it a little better today than we did a year ago. And God, I pray that we all understand it more a year from now than we do today. But God, we, when it comes to the enormity of Your love, God, we, we just can't wrap our, our heads around it. But God, we just got to learn to accept it. God, we thank You that there's nothing we can do to make You love us more and there's nothing we can do to make You love us less because Your love for us is perfect. God, help us to celebrate Christmas this year because we know that You love us. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.